Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast, one that I know my Purple Podcast co-host, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels, is very excited to do. Sage, I got a bunch of tweets yesterday about you telling everyone for weeks what the Vikings offense would look like without John D. Filippo and Kevin Stefanski read off your script in the first quarter with three touchdowns yesterday. Give me well, your reactions to the Vikings offense. Well, I, I think you and I both uh, in different ways, probably be probably me more visually just looking at, you know, how their you know, uh, plays are called and, and, you know, how their game plan looks and when they're in shotgun, when they're in center and you, statistically all the analysis that you do which is incredible uh i think that we were just seeing these patterns over time and, and you know really probably going back to early in the season almost even maybe preseason, of what type this offense is and and i you know i remember early in the year you know first couple of weeks thinking to myself this doesn't feel like that philadelphia eagles offense that i just saw win the super bowl yet it was supposed to be something like that so mm-hmm. You know, as you you and I and everyone else has been studying not only the offense, but its quarterback, uh, it, the players around it, the weapons, as we break down all positions, positives, negatives, the offensive line, uh, it, it seemed like to us what we were witnessing was not sort of a, a style that was conducive to success, maybe conducive to putting up yards and having a good quarterback rating or, or breaking wide receiver records. But all that really matters is wins and losses in the NFL. And the style that we were seeing didn't feel like it was helping out this football team. And, you know, we weren't sure how Kevin Stefanski was going to call a play or design a play yesterday. He'd never done it before, never called an NFL, never called a play before. High school, college, pro football, never actually been the guy who called the play and designed, fully designed a game plan. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's reading our stuff or listening to our podcast. I highly doubt it. But, <laughs> you know, in the press conferences, uh, I believe it was on Friday, uh, they had the coordinators do the press conference and, and he used the phrase complimentary football two or three times. And mm-hmm. to me, that meant we're going to sort of grind, you know, grind it out, ground and pound, 
you know, run the football more, play more conservatively, uh, complement our very good defense, complement our special teams, which are usually pretty good. We're going to play complementary football, you know, not rack up crazy numbers. And, and that's what they played yesterday. Kirk Cousins, 21 total passes. I'm, I, I'd like, we're going to break it down, you and I, uh, in the next day or two for a Wednesday podcast of, uh, of how many of those were dropbacks, how many of those were bootleg and play action, how many of those were screens, you know, what were the results? Uh, you know, how many were in shotgun, all these different things. What, what were the results? Because they didn't have a huge statistical day yesterday. Kirk only throws for 215 yards, but also only has 21 attempts. That's, that's, I'm no mathematician, but that's about uh, 10 yards in attempt. That's not terrible. And, uh, and, you know, obviously the, the turnover hurt, but, you know, running the football, that was huge. You and I had both, uh, thought that running the football with Dalvin Cook, just giving him more opportunities. They're not always great, but just giving him more opportunities. And sure enough, he'd break a couple long ones and he did that yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I think we were pretty spot on and we're not always going to be, we're going to miss a lot of times or what our judgment and what our think, what we think the Vikings should do. But in this situation, it feels like at least through one, one week, uh, that our analysis was was pretty spot on over the last couple of months. So I want to read you something from Mike Zimmer yesterday in his post-game press conference. The question was, how do you feel about the overall running game? They went over 200 yards, of course. And his answer was, we were hitting five or six yards a carry. And, you know, Cook is a pretty talented player. And when he's got the ball in his hands, typically good things happen. And, and Sage, I think that Mike Zimmer talking about the run game was not only about having a successful run game to set up play action and those sorts of things. But it was also Delvin Cook shouldn't carry the ball nine times in a game that's close. He should be carrying it all the time because he's amazing at football. And I I think that was maybe the most frustrating thing for Zimmer as we went along was they're just not giving the ball enough to a guy who is incredibly good and can make a special play even when something isn't there. Well, I think a, a player like a running back, and what makes a running back different than a wide receiver is that an offensive team can decide to give the ball to the running back. It actually can't decide to throw the ball to a wide receiver because he could be covered, right? So defense, defenses can, in a, in a way, take away a wide receiver much easier than taking away a running back. You can just hand the ball off to him. And, you know, as I said, his runs aren't always huge. There's a lot of zeros and ones and twos in there. But when the guy does say break it outside and gets past that leverage of, you know, a quarterback or a safety that loses contain, he is so good about getting around that edge. Next thing you know, I mean, just like you saw on the, on the second, on the screen yesterday, uh, on the second play of the game, 27 yards didn't feel like it, feel like a 15 yard screen, but he's so fast uh, and he gets around that corner. He picks up some really big gains and that's a guy you just want to, Get him a lot of touches, uh, whether it's hand the ball off, screens, whatever it might be. He just needs a lot of touches. He should be getting the ball 20 times a game in one way or another. And I had this stat on Twitter this morning in terms of the usage of some of the people that could help Delvin Cook out in the running game, the big men. C.J. Ham, 18 snaps, his highest since week four, and he hadn't gotten to double digits in the last five weeks, which is baffling to me since he's a good player. Uh, Tyler Conklin, the number three tight end, 23 snaps. David Morgan, 23 snaps. And Laquan Treadwell, not a great player, only 22 snaps. So it was pretty clear that Stefanski wanted to get the more talented guys, the bigger guys, and the blockers out there. 
and not so much run three wide receivers all the time. And I, I think that that helped Delvin Cook quite a bit. And then it also forces the other team to put in their bigger personnel. And when you have two really great wide receivers and a great receiving running back, and the other team's got three linebackers on the field, I mean, it's just common sense that that works. That, that's, a, that's a Kyle Shanahan thing that they do all the time using that extra tight end or that fullback. Well, when you are in regular, what they call regular personnel, two receivers, tight end, two running backs, just your standard, typical, uh, some teams call it 21 personnel uh, because you have two running backs and a tight end. All right. So uh, regular personnel that there's, there's only really a certain a base defense that teams have. Now teams have a lot of different coverages to base defense. When you go to tight ends and two running backs and one receiver, also known as 22 personnel. All right. There's only so many defenses that, you know, that, that defensive coordinators call. Mm-hmm. You know, all those three man fronts with guys, those all disappear. All right. That is a run first style of defense. So, uh, you, you know, our offense, so usually defenses only have really, you know, maybe three coverages, man to man, maybe some sort of cover three and some sort of cover two. Uh, you know, so. That's pretty much it. They might have a, a you know a five man pressure or something like that, but they don't have. They don't spend all this time designing all these exotic defenses uh, against a you know that type of offense because teams don't run it a ton. So w- when you game plan with that style, yeah, you're taking some weapons out of the game, but you also know what you're getting defensively. You can you can work on those pass blocking schemes you know during the week because you you only know you're going to get one or two fronts. Uh, it's not going to be too confusing. Your guys should know what they're doing and. And it really simplifies the game plan. And, you know, yesterday, yeah, as we saw, a lot of, you know, two tight ends, two running backs. C.J. Ham played a lot. I, I, I wrote in the Athletic on, on uh, last week that, you know, I would walk down to C.J. Ham's locker and say, hey, you better tighten up that chin strap. You're going to play a lot. And mm-hmm. sure enough, Kevin Stavansky had the big guys in the game. And sure enough, it came up with a fairly dominating running, uh, running performance. And, and, and with that, the play-action bootleg game. And th- there's another point there. Uh, that you lead me into perfectly is that Kirk Cousins was well protected yesterday. He was not taking a bunch of shots as soon as he released the ball. One of the sacks, uh, Quinn got him by the foot and he just went down. Um, but it, it wasn't like he was taking big hits. And this has been sort of a point of contention over the year is, well, is Kirk Cousins not playing as well because of the bad offensive line? But I, I think the offensive line has enough talent to hold up if they are given a hand. And I thought yesterday they were perfectly given help by moving Cousins around and by getting those big people in the game. Yeah, you know, again, a good, a good coordinator understands what he has, the pieces of the pie that he has, and try to minimize those weaknesses. And the offensive line has some good players, and they have some players that aren't great. That's just the way to, that's every offensive line. But how can you maximize their strengths, minimize their weaknesses? And to me, on this offense... Drop back pass, shotgun, five and seven step, stand there in the pocket. That's sort of the weakness of, of really everybody as far as quarterback and offensive line is concerned. That's where trouble seems to happen. That's usually where sacks happen. Uh, one was on a shotgun play and one was, one was on a play action yesterday. Uh, but bad things usually don't happen, you know, on the bootleg game, uh, a good play action, uh, you know, type of deal. A lot of times, you know, you have extra guys blocking. The defense has to play the run for a second. You get the quarterback on the pocket on the bootlegs. You know, those are pass plays too, and it minimizes you know, your left guard or your right guard or whoever, left tackle, trying to block a superior athlete for four seconds. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, when you ask those guys to do that, that's really hard. Some teams have better pass blocking alignment than others. And these guys sometimes struggle with that. Uh, the quarterback's not mobile enough to make them look great, you know. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson's offensive line is not great either, but he's Deshaun Watson. The dude's such a good athlete. He makes them look better than they actually are. Mm-hmm. This team, the quarterback's not that way. So let's minimize those weaknesses. Let's move the quarterback. Let's bootleg. Let's play action. Let's three-step. You know, let's screen on the second play of the game, slow down that pass rush. Uh, it really was a nice game plan by Kevin Stefanski. And you mentioned last week, I think you asked me, how many times can I remember Kirk Cousins throwing to someone who was wide open and you couldn't even figure out why. Like, oh my gosh, there's no one around this guy. And it actually happened a couple times yesterday. Uh, one catch was uh, by Tyler Conklin where he's just standing there wide open. Uh, there was another one to Adam Thielen, which I think didn't go down as a catch, but he was there uh, wide open too. Kirk Cousins' performance yesterday, he throws the pick six. We'll talk about that. But outside of it, he was not asked to carry the entire team maybe for the first time all year. Hey, you remember when the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and they had this really good defense and they had a pretty good running game? They had a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball 30 yards? Yes. Right? But yes. he was smart and, you know, this, that, and the other, and he managed the game and all. They won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. Why can't the Vikings do that? You know, listen, this is just the way it's going to be. The quarterback is not going to carry this football team. And maybe in the offseason, they go out and get a whole bunch of really good offensive linemen and they can, they can drop back pack and, and they can drop back in the pocket and they can put sort of more on Kirk's plate. But asking him to do a lot on a team that doesn't pass block great and have him run around and, and be the focal point of the offense, I think it's a bad way to go. I think the team understands that. Make him a part of this offense, not the entire thing, a part of the machine. Uh, not the main motor and, uh, and just have him go out there and do his job. And, uh, you know, that's okay. You can win football games like that. Uh, you, you know, you watch the Baltimore Ravens. They have a chance to make the playoffs. Their quarterback had, you know, he has like 14, 18, 20 carries. It seems like every game, but they're winning a different style of football. And it's sure as heck ain't throwing the football from the pocket. They're grinding out in different ways and they have a good chance of making the playoffs. And then I think the Vikings are trying to find their, uh, you know, sort of game plans and strategy that maximizes their, uh, their, their pluses and minimizes their negatives. And is it just me or when we were talking about all the offensive explosions earlier in the year, that most of that has gone away? I haven't seen anybody. There was that Rams Chiefs game where they put up 50 points each. But since then, it seems like football has kind of gone back to being football, like that they haven't uh, put up crazy numbers and there were some teams that put up almost nothing yesterday offensively and I'm not surprised by this that the league would sort of come back to life and and where it was and they were letting the corners be physical in yesterday's game and as far as the Vikings having any chance once you get to the playoffs I don't think they have to be the team that scores 50 points as long as they're holding on to the ball and possessing the ball and not giving it up and then playing the defense that they can play. Hey, they scored 41 yesterday. They scored 41 yesterday. You know, when you have a good defense, sometimes they can score a lot of points, too. And they get opportunities they can score points, too. So, yeah, you know, November, December, January football, those 52-48 games sort of disappear. You had a 17-16 the other day, Denver-Cleveland. You had a 13-14 Buffalo-Detroit. You had 24-17 with Chicago. Uh, The the Colts and the Cowboys, 23-0 yesterday. Uh, you know, you had some low scrimmage. Washington, Jacksonville, 
Tennessee Giants, 17-0. Pittsburgh, New England, 17-10, right? A lot of games there with just the teens winning football games. So, you know, if you, if the Vikings can score, you know, 21, 24 points, not turn the ball over, you got to feel really good about that. Okay. What was your take on the Cousins pick six? Because I, I just filed it under the category of very typical for Kirk Cousins, who now has 10 pick sixes in four years as a starter, basically. Well, I think. Yeah, a couple of things with that. One, it looked like to me it was sort of a, a Sam or a nickel Sam blitz, maybe a strong safety blitz. I, I believe that was like a nickel Sam player. And he basically sort of ran into the interception. Now, at the end of the day, uh, the quarterback is responsible for the football. All right. He's responsible for when it leaves his hand to where it's going. So it was sort of an unlucky play. But also, as a quarterback, you have to always be prepared for sort of worst case scenario, you know, when you're walking up the ball, every, all these checklists go off in your mind. What happens if they bring the safety? What happens if they bring the Sam linebacker? What happens if they're in a double A gap? What am I going to do? I have a run play on what happens if the safety's down to that side. Do we have an answer for that? Are we going to have the safety or the receiver come in? Can I audible to a, a pass or can we run the other way? You have to have all these, you know, answers of what if this happens and on that play, your biggest nightmare is somebody basically sprinting at the snap to the wide receiver or somewhere in, in between you and the wide receiver and picking you off. That's worst case scenario. As a quarterback, you have to protect yourself against that. And Cousins just sort of threw it blindly. And you have to, again, you know, thinking worst case scenario. And, and obviously, uh, you know, he didn't do that very well on that play. And so this would be the concern as they go down the stretch here. And as of us talking at this moment, because of what happened last night, the Vikings are still only just a shade above 50% for being a lock for the playoffs because of what happened in Philadelphia last night. So they've still got to beat Detroit, who's played better on defense lately, although, you know, you and I could play good defense on against the Bills. But uh, they did a, a decent job against the Rams, so it's not a complete, like, obvious they're going to steamroll them or whatever. The thing that is always the concern with Cousins is that play is you're doing fine, you're rolling, you're on the other side of the field, and then something really, really bad happens. And Sage, I just, I think this is him. I don't think there's any real answer for that. And it was always Mike Zimmer's fear with Case Keenum that he was going to do something crazy and it would turn into a, a pick six or something. And that happened. He didn't do anything crazy, but the pick six happened in, in the NFC Championship. And it's always going to be the fear. Every week that Kirk Cousins suits up, you almost have to factor in for one bad fumble, one strip sack, one interception that goes for touchdown or something with him. And yesterday was an example of they had to have a lot of things go right to overcome that with a great defensive performance and, uh, you know, great running game from Delvin Cook and Latavius Murray. Well, listen, as I said, we, we we're talking about this. Teams win Super Bowls with, without having great quarterback play. And, you know, the all-time is the Ravens, of course, one of the best defenses in NFL history. But – just enough quarterback play to sort of not screw it up. And I think Cousins can do a heck of a lot more than that uh, than what Dilfer had to do, you know, what I believe was back in 99 or 2000. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, <laughs> um, again, it's about minimizing those negatives. And so not throwing the ball 45 times, uh, not having him in the pocket where whether it's an, he gets pressure and interception occurs or he gets sacked or he fumbles or he, tries to make something happen and because the pocket breaks down and then again, bad things happen. You just minimize those uh, and count on 
the accurate passing on the on the bootleg game like yesterday. You know, count on giving the ball to a stud running back, which the Vikings do have. You maximize those other things and and figure out what is Kirk Cousins really good at. What is his specialty? You know, and uh, you know he's a, such a smart guy. Could you do a little bit more empty sometimes? But it's all three stuff, and you just get the ball out, and that's just the way it's going to be. But he's smart at diagnosing and getting the ball out accurately. You know, find those things that Kirk is good at, and I think this team could win. You know, these last two games. That game, uh, you know, last uh, what was it? The, the, the trying to think. Oh, the game last night, the Rams game. That makes Week 17 totally different. If the mm-hmm. Rams won yeah. out and the Saints won out, uh, at least one this that you know these next two weeks, the Bears would have had nothing to play for on on uh, on that Week 17 game with the Vikings. And so I was thinking, all right, you know, they might have to play each other in the first round of the playoffs. Vikings may have a chance to you know play this game. They pull out Trubisky, they pull out Mac, they pull out their best players, they play their backups. They got nothing to play for. That would be obviously great for the Vikings to have that, you know, maybe an easier win. Now it looks like, uh, as far as I can tell, the Bears have a decent, a, a chance of being that number, nearly that number two seed. And so that week 17 might mean a lot to them. And they might put, might, might play the best players now. So, you know, we'll see what happens these last two weeks. And yeah, the, the domino effect of some of these things is always fun to, to watch. I mean, last night the Rams couldn't get it done against the Eagles. They fumble a punt at the end. They mismanage the clock at the end and still almost had a chance to pull it off and weren't able to do it. And all of a sudden that took the Vikings chances of making the playoffs from like 80% down to about a 50, 50 split at this point. So they are going to have to win these last couple of games. Let me ask you this. So if there was anything else, so, I mean, we checked off all the boxes of things that we talked about, use the fullback more, use the bootlegs more, give the ball to Delvin cook. He's good at football, all those things. What's, what's the one other thing on offense over these next two weeks they need to do to beat Detroit. And especially if it's a real game against Chicago. So beating a good team, cause that Dolphins team is abysmal. Well, I, well, and I think Detroit isn't great either. Listen, that Dolphins team beat the Patriots. All right, they beat just just a week early. Now it was a fluke play at the end, but either way, they're in the game, very close game, right down to the wire there. So you know they they uh, you know they're not a terrible football team. Uh, they looked like it yesterday. So I, the Vikings sometimes they can really put it together. You stay away from turnovers. Uh, you get you know a couple plays here on defense, and I, they're one of those teams that can beat anybody, but also it seems like one of those teams that can lose to anybody. And uh, you know again minimizing those mistakes. And not counting on Kirk Cousins to have to win your football games right now. That's just the way this team is, and and I'm really look, looking forward to seeing uh, how uh, Kevin Stefanski game plans these next two weeks, in particular this week. You know, sort of one for one. It does help uh, that you can run the football. Uh, I think you ask any coordinator, "Hey, great job! You guys scored 41 points." Well, when you run the football the way they did, that makes it pretty easier, pretty easy for an offensive coordinator. As Mark Trustman once told me. It's easy to call run plays. It's hard to call pass plays. And I always thought that was a good way to look at it. If your run game's going for four, five, six, seven yards a shot, man, let's dial another one up. Let's just call another run. Passing plays, you got protection issues. You got interception possibilities. You got all, you know, types of coverages going on, more variables in the passing game. So when you can run the football like that, uh, that would be the, to me, the key to the, to the Viking success for the rest of the season. So uh, aside from Ryan Tannehill being 
not so good and really panicking on, on a lot of those third down blitzes, which, you know, a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL have trouble against those with the Vikings. But what is it that the Vikings defense did so well yesterday to sack the hell out of Ryan Tannehill? And they've been doing it for a while, so this isn't really new. But yesterday it was about as dominating as a performance in the second half as you will ever see from any defense in 2018. Well, maybe as we're sitting here, since you're the stats guy, you can look up the third downs in the game. It seemed like they were a lot of second longs, third and 15s and 17s, and they were still trying to throw the ball and, and trying to work their ball down the field. So, you know, in those situations, in particular at the end of the game, when the, when the game was basically over, it was just uh, a steamroll of, of sacks, it seemed like, in the fourth quarter. And so, you know, he, he's not a you know, guy who's supposed to be a good athlete. He is injured. But, you know, I only see Ryan Tannehill play so often. Uh, he is not a guy that runs around and makes things happen. You would think a guy played wide receiver for a couple of years at Texas A&M, moving the quarterback, supposed to be a good athlete, and, you know, sort of doesn't seem to, you know, make a lot of great things happen, Has a, is not an explosive player, doesn't have a sort of an explosive quick throwing motion, you know, sort of methodical, and uh, almost a Chad Pennington-esque hmm. is probably the best way for me to wow. look at it. And uh, that's not very good versus a, a pass rush when you're behind by 14 or, or 21 points. Chad Pennington, too good to be a journeyman quarterback? Yes, he was mostly a starter in his career yeah. and actually had a nice little resurgence. One of the few times in AFC East uh, uh, in the last two decades that somebody besides the Patriots did not win the, uh, the AFC East was a Chad Pennington-coached Miami Dolphins team. Uh, so to your question, in the second half, the Miami Dolphins' shortest third down was third and eight, and they twice had third and 27. So uh, you're right about that, that Mike Zimmer can dial up just about anything, and the defensive line knows uh, exactly what's coming when it's third and 27. Uh, I, I do think that what they've done in terms of confusing quarterbacks on those third downs uh, Mackenzie Alexander gets another sack. Anthony Barr was rushing way more than he usually does yesterday, and that was a big deal. I would let Sage. I would like to see Anthony Barr rush the passer all the time. Yeah, you know they had him blitzing a lot. It seemed like a lot in the B gap, sometimes on the outside, but you know hitting it at the snap. They had him blitzing. I, I'd say more than usual yesterday, uh, and I like that too. He's a guy that I don't like him as much dropping the zone coverage and you know, trying to be super disciplined, diagnosing things. He's just an athlete, rush the quarterback and try to time out, use that athleticism in, in that way. And I, I liked uh, that part of the game plan yesterday as well. You know, one thing, uh, part of that blitzing, I was thinking, possibly also to try to stop the run a little bit more. Now, the Vikings do get pushed around a little bit up front. And, and you know, they've got you know, Richardson is a good player. I think he's a better uh, pass rusher than he is run stopper. And they do seem to get sometimes pushed around a little bit, a lot of runs of, you know, five, six, seven yards just right up the gut. So tell me, uh, before we wrap up here, what you saw last night and what is going on with the Rams? Because uh, not, it makes things really interesting now. I mean, it, there is a scenario, I believe, playoff scenarios, especially when your team has a tie, can be uh, a little confusing, but where the Vikings could end up having to go to Los Angeles instead of Chicago. Like, that could happen. And Jared Goff, in his last two games, has one touchdown and seven picks or something like that. Uh, it, it, the, the offense for the Rams doesn't look anything like it looked early in the year. Is there something that you spot with that? Or has it just been two good defenses giving them some problems? Well, teams are stopping the run a little bit. Gurley hasn't had. He's not getting his you know, 20, 25 carries a game. 
Uh, I believe he was in you know the 11, 12 range the last few weeks. That means more pressure on the quarterback. And uh, you know he threw it 54 times yesterday. His I think it's one touchdown and seven interceptions in the last three games. I mean that's yeah. a huge issue. They still had a chance to win this football game. They're driving there at the end and had you know threw the ball in the end zone a couple of times trying to you know tie it up. So they're not a terrible team. You know defensively. They do, you know, teams seem to run on them more than, than you know, I, I ever, you know, thought they would. You were thinking that this is going to be a really, really good defense. They obviously got the two studs and or three studs along the defensive line. The linebackers, I would say, are below average. They're more uh, guys in space and more, you know, cover guys, not great downhill run stoppers. Uh, Marcus Peters makes business decisions game after game. <laughs> um, and, you know, you know, but they call it crack replace. That happened to. I thought two or three times in that game last night where a receiver is blocked, you know, is in tighter. Uh, they block a safety and they call it a crack replace. The receiver cracks the safety and the replace is actually the corner. The corner needs to uh, step up and fill that void where the safety was supposed to be. And Marcus Peters likes to hang back seven, eight, nine yards. That crack replace, the replace happens about eight yards down the field, you know, for a big gain. And so, uh, you know, th- he's a little, there's a little softness. Along that Rams defensive uh, defensive front, a lot of talent, a lot of money on that defense, uh, but they, they do not play a black and blue style of football. And you saw it in the Vikings game earlier this year. That was one of those high scoring shootouts. Uh, you know, the Rams don't do a very good job of stopping people, and they didn't stop the Eagles last night. Uh, and Mr. Nick Foles back in the action, playing great football. Maybe they make a run. Foles just wins. Is Jared? Do you think Jared Goff's good? I mean, I saw people last night talking about how he's kind of like Kirk Cousins in a lot of ways, where he executes what McVay asks him to do, but nothing more than that. Yeah, you know, I I, I don't think he's great. Uh, I think he's good. I think he's good on play action. Uh, he's got a quick release. He's a long, lanky guy. Doesn't throw a great ball. There's some, you know, there, there's some balls that come out looking like Peyton Manning style. He had a great throw last time, a post that was a complete wobbler, but w- w- was right on point. Uh, so, yeah, and he's not good in bad conditions. You saw that. A couple of weeks ago, where he was terrible uh, in, in bad conditions, and so he's a guy that would play plays well in domes, plays well in Southern California, uh, and, and you know that might be an issue, you know, with them when they get deep in the playoffs, in particular if they ever, you know, if they do have to go on the road, uh, you know, to somewhere like Chicago. All right, Sage, great stuff as always. If people aren't following you, by the way, on Twitter, they should be and reading your articles for the Athletic. Because if you if you read your article for the Athletic, especially what stuck out to me was Kirk Cousins under center, where he was very good, and and you pointed that out uh, at Sage Rosenfels eighteen. They can uh, see your tweets as well as your articles you post there as well. And uh, on Wednesday, let's get to more. Detroit Lions journeyman quarterbacks, of course, and also breaking down the tape of this one. When the coach's film comes out, we can really get a good look at what succeeded for the Vikings offense and what they can carry over. So thank you as always, Sage. Sounds great. And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. 
and Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.